Hello and welcome to Talk of the Town. This is our monthly show and a collaboration between the City of Winter Park, the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, and Rollins College. And each show provides useful information and a transparent look into the happenings here in Winter Park. I'm Sam Stark, Vice President at Rollins College, and I'm pleased to serve as the host of our show. With me today is Mayor Phil Anderson and President and CEO of the Winter Park Chamber of Commerce, Betsy Gardner-Eckbert. Betsy and Phil, great to be here again with you all, and uh, thanks again for the partnership for Talk of the Town. We have a lot to talk about today, and um, maybe, Mayor, we'll start with you. We're uh, you know, here in, uh, in our Christmas and, and winter season here in Winter Park, and uh, the, the Christmas holiday was fantastic in, in Winter Park. Uh, can you talk a little bit, just sort of recap, maybe the Christmas success of, uh, of, of our holidays and all the work that you and, and the, the city and the chamber did for, uh, for kind of a new winter uh, in, in Winter Park? Thank you, Sam, and, and Happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, it's a great start for New Year. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things we heard as a city last year from our, really our commercial and, and merchants was that we needed to do a better job. And so we made a commitment to really, as I say, win the battle of the lights. And I want to say that I think based on all the great comments we heard, we really did a good job, both for the city, our residents, and our merchants, uh, really getting Park Avenue, as well as a number of our other uh, avenues, ready for the, for the holiday season. And, um, and I think that what we heard from our early reports in our Economic Development Advisory Board was that it really paid off. And uh, Betsy, I think you've heard some good things as well. Uh, what, what, what was it that you were hearing about the sales in our, uh, from our merchants and over the Christmas holidays? So anecdotally, everyone that we asked, whether they be restaurateurs or retailers, said that their revenues were way, way up, to some degree 70% over last year. Now, 2020 was a year to be forgotten, <laughs> but we're super excited to hear that people enjoyed such robust growth in their revenues. And then we're grateful, of course, to the city for actually counting how many feet were on the street. And so, you know, uh, due to the work of the Economic Development uh, Department at the city, we are able to measure how many people were coming and going from key intersections in our central business district. And I'm thrilled to say that we competed with Coral Gables and actually beat them in terms of footfall during the um, holiday period. So to, to really be on par with uh, a neighborhood that supports a global city like Miami uh, means that we're doing something right and we're attractive to the region and to now we're enjoying global visitation again. So it's exciting to see that activity is picking back up. Um, and we know that, that the efforts of the mayor and the city commission and the city staff paid off. So, of course, we're grateful for that. Do, do, do both of you or either of you have a sense of how is that going to translate to, um, you know, rents and, and having occupancy, you know, back at a, a higher level or maybe even the highest levels in, in Winter Park and Park Avenue and Hannibal Square? So rent is always a touchy subject. I don't mean the <laughs> fee. I don't mean the cost. I mean just the occupancy. Yeah, I think we're we're enjoying uh, a return to occupancy. Uh, you know, there was a, a period there that was a little scary in late 2020 right. where we had a lot of shuttered businesses in the central business district, and we're seeing businesses come in. Uh, and renew those areas. It's exciting to see, especially the spots at the south end of Park Avenue are full. We've got a, a national um, 
uh, glasses store, Warby Parker down there, and we've got some really interesting new arrivals. We know that even during 2020, we had new business entries. Uh, many of you may be familiar with Monkeys, which is a store that's sure. part of a 28-unit chain. And they actually, during the pandemic, had the best store opening in the history of those 28 stores. So we know that Winter Park can rally to take care of its own. Yep. And we love that that's happening in in a grand way now. And especially with visitation returning, we think that those vacancies are going to be uh, hopefully a thing of the past. Great. Yeah. Any any other no, I, think, uh, I think that's right. I think within the next three or four months, a lot of people are building out spaces. And while they may have hoped to have opened before the holiday season, they may not have quite made it, but they're getting close. And so I think we're going to see a lot of a lot more foot traffic down on the south si south end of Park Avenue, certainly, and in some of the other corridors along along uh, coming into Winter Park. I think the only other thing I'd love to mention is that we just had the 20th Unity Festival on Monday in celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yeah. And uh, it was celebrated very, very well. We had some great performances. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's interesting to note, you know, that a movement that started in the early 60s to really expand voting rights is, you know, really pertinent and leading us into the season that we are in today yeah. uh, right here in Winter Park. Um, but I just want to thank all of those sponsors and the performers and the residents and guests that came in to that very special day at Shady Park on Monday. Indeed. Very, very good point. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about voting uh, in, in a bit. Um, we actually have a special guest from Orange County uh, Supervisor of Elections Office. Um, Mayor, I know that, um, that there might be an update that, that you can share a little bit about Smart City and Broadband uh, Committee oh, that's um, in some early steps about some, uh, some new initiatives for the city. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. This is something that, uh, you know, we did last year. We formed an ad hoc committee to make sure that we would be competitive in the long haul with quality broadband service and smart city amenities. And, and so we formed this ad hoc committee. Uh, they've done their initial research and they've come back and, and we're trying to find the right way to get either fiber optic or different broadband services to all of our merchants and to all of our residents. And so they're setting their goals. Um, in a similar fashion to what we had done earlier, you know, when we had the American Recovery Funds, we set aside about $700,000 to focus on getting the design done for transportation projects so that when the grant funding comes up, we'll be able to go after the grant funding and, you know, deal with some of our traffic and, and other transportation needs. They came to us this year, last week, and said, you know, we need $100,000 to make sure that we have the best um, broadband service and smart city functions in, in, you know, of all of our competitive cities. And the commission agreed to provide that funding uh, or we, we will be addressing the approval to provide that funding at next week's commission meeting. And, you know, what it really is is, you know, are there parallels to the way we uh, deliver electricity? Are there other things that we need to do to incentivize? What do we need to make sure can happen? Uh, but we're already one step ahead. The prior commission had approved the first segment of our smart cities, mm -hmm. and that's about high-speed Internet 
It's about secure and bulletproof resilient systems for, um, you know, like our traffic signals and our communication signals. And so we've already got a great backbone, and we're going to build on that now for getting it farther out. That's great. Any, you know, uh, impact, Betsy, from your perspective on sort of the importance of that, particularly, you know, you've um, enhance the chamber's role, not just of sort of quality of life and, and business on the street, but also relocations and new businesses moving to, to Winter Park. How, how important is this for, for, for some of your initiatives? Well, it's critical because we know that we're competing now with the world in terms of where people can relocate their businesses. We've seen this mass migration of people as a result of the disruption beginning in 2020. And we know that people are looking to relocate their businesses, quite frankly, anywhere they want. So when we put an attractive package together, not just of tax incentives, but quality of life, uh, and then if we've got infrastructure to compete, then of course we're going to come out on top because Winter Park is a pretty special place. So having that ingredient list to make sure that we are competitive in terms of attracting, and I don't mean attracting giant businesses, I mean attracting boutique size and style game-changing employers that are looking to stimulate our local economy in a context-specific and respectful way. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, very exciting. We're eager to kind of get more updates from from you both on uh, on that. And all of those Rollins students, they can actually get their homework done faster. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so hopefully that'll that'll be in place before any of you that are out there will graduate. <laughs> That's fantastic. I like that the mayor knows exactly what is important to that age demographic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> knows his audience. I like that. Um, so, you know, the mayor talked about the importance of, uh, of our Unity Heritage Festival and, and MLK weekend here in, uh, in Winter Park. Um, with the core of so much of Dr. King's initiatives and efforts being around voting. And so, um, Betsy, you were kind enough to bring us a special guest today. So I'm going to ask you to introduce our, our guest and talk a little bit about uh, some of the basics of, of voting here in Winter Park in Orange County and, um, and, and some of the Get Out the Vote campaign that I know you're working on. Thank you, Sam. Last year, the Chamber decided to uh, really focus on something that we think contributes overall to the quality of life, and that is citizen participation. And unfortunately, Winter Park's past is not that great in terms of its voter turnout. We looked at that long and hard and saw that we really only had 18% uh, voter turnout in, in previous elections. So last year, we challenged our community to move that to 21%. Well, our community took that challenge seriously and zoomed way past that goal. We got 34% voter turnout mm-hmm. in the mayor's race last year, and I'm sure he played a huge part in succeeding, uh, helping us succeed in reaching that target. So this year, we've decided that we want to focus on another area where we can improve, and that's in participation amongst young people. We've got uh, not the best metric in terms of our 18 to 50-year-olds. You know, they comprise 26% of our eligible voters, but their turnout is is not great. So we're looking to target younger participation in our citizen process. And, you know, we're grateful for the ways that the, um, the Supervisor of Election Bill Cowell's office has helped us analyze this and is going to help us with, um, you know, of course, running an election that's got integrity and ease of use. And so I'm really pleased that Danae Riviera Morasco, who's the Community Outreach and and Communications Coordinator 
at uh, Supervisor Bill Cowell's office is here today to give us a couple of quick tips. We know that voter habits are changing, especially uh, it, with the giving rise to, to the COVID pandemic, but also people are looking to vote in their own way in their own time. And right. so uh, the supervisor's office has been extremely accommodating in that, and we saw a surge in vote by mail last year. We expect that to continue. So I wanted our listeners to get uh, information straight from the source about how to do that. So welcome, Danae, and I'm really glad you're here to share with us how to do that. Hi, thank you for having me. I really like the point you made about turnout. I will say, and I hope the mayor would agree, that local government is often just as, if not more important than federal government, and yet we see much lower turnout in city local elections than we do in presidential elections. So it's very important to notify the community about these local elections that a lot of times people just don't even realize are happening. So Winter Park is having a election on March 8th, Tuesday, March 8th. However, people can start voting as early as mid-February if they request a vote-by-mail ballot. The deadline to request a vote-by-mail ballot is 5 p.m. February 26th. However, the earlier you can request it, the better, because that way it has ample time to arrive to you for you to return it, however method you want to return it, and ensure that it will arrive in our office. We do have a ballot tracker when you request a vote-by-mail ballot. So if you go to our website, which is ocfelections.gov, we're .gov now, we just changed from .com, uh, and you request a vote-by-mail ballot, you'll be able to see the status of the date that we mailed that ballot to you, the date that we received it, and when it's been accepted. So that's a really big thing. You mentioned vote-by-mail, but a lot of people, if they requested a vote-by-mail ballot back in 2018 or 2020, it might have expired after the 2020 general election. So it's very important to double-check and make sure that your request is still valid if you requested in the past. And if not, you can request. There's a form. You need to have your name, your address, a state ID, or the last four of your social. And if it is a written request, there needs to be a signature as well. So that's vote-by-mail. And then we also will have early voting from February 28th to March 4th, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And that will be at our office at 119 West Cayley Street. Is there any early voting sites in Winter Park? There are not any early voting sites in Winter Park for this election. It's only at the Supervisor of Elections office. Gotcha. That's why, too, if you don't want to make the trip out to the supervisor of elections <laughs> office, but you want to make sure no you get your your vote in, vote by mail is always a good option, especially because you have the option to request a vote by mail ballot. And then if you end up wanting to vote in person, you can bring your vote by mail ballot with you to the early voting site, to the polling place and exchange it for an in-person ballot. So it's always a good backup, even if you don't intend necessarily to vote by mail. How does, does you, is it? You know, whose responsibility at the end of the day is it to share all of this with, with the voting public? I mean, I know it's partially yours. I mean, I, I, it's the communities, sure. but uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how does yeah. all this go? We, we, we like to think that every resident of Winter Park is tuning <laughs> into this show. but um, Absolutely, absolutely. Not. Well, it, it is partially our responsibility to try to get that information out to the community as much as we can. It's also incumbent on the candidates, I, I believe, to 
make sure that their voters know, yeah. you know, how the process works, give them mm -hmm. accurate information. We do emphasize that we, at the end of the day, are the trusted source for accurate election information. I think it's also important, you know, when you when you talk about Florida and especially Central Florida, we get a lot of newcomers every single day from different states who may, may assume that the deadlines and the process is exactly the same as the state from which they came. Right. So it's very, you know, important. I think there there's a little responsibility on their part too to make sure that they are double checking and making sure that they have the correct information because every state does things differently and you hate to arrive and think that we have same day registration like a couple other states do and then show up at the polling place and then you can't vote right. because our deadline is 29 days before. <laughs> Sam, I do want to jump in and say that the chamber is going to be a one-stop shop. Uh, all you need to know is Google the Winter Park Chamber or find us at winterpark.org. We will have a banner on our landing page that will give you a quick and easy access to your vote by mail request uh, that will give you access to dates, key dates of what you need to know about. And we'll be able to direct our guests to the election, Supervisor of Elections office. They don't even need to remember, even though we're glad you're here sharing that <laughs> with us. If you come to the chamber page, we are going to direct you, hopefully with some ease of use, to what you need to do to request those ballots. That's fantastic. What's the city do? You know, I, I mean, I've been involved with so many elections, but I never really <laughs> thought about it in terms of just making sure that the residents know all of the facts and dates that uh, that Danae just shared. Well, we'll make sure that we have a similar similar information easily available to someone that wants to find that on the city website. There also will be a couple of issues-related things to vote on, and those items will be clearly articulated on the city website in terms of what the facts are and what the actual resolutions read, how they actually read. So we already have a, uh, a button that you should be able to find on our website under government. Uh, we'll put, we may look to put it somewhere where it's at least a little more uh, easily found, but we'll make sure we actually have the text of all of the uh, issues items that will be voted on on the city right. website. That's great. And I know Rollins will do the same thing, you know, to our students and to our faculty and staff who, who live here in, ter in terms of sharing information and reminders about election in general. Um, obviously, we don't promote candidates or, or issues per se, but, um, but we certainly encourage voter turnout. And our students are one of the highest ranking student populations in the country. Who, uh, who are registered to vote and actually who do, in fact, vote. And I think, Mayor, you could talk more about this, who, who are becoming more and more engaged and involved in local campaigns and elections just in terms of a grassroots. Absolutely. Kind of I mean, the, uh, the attention that the Rollins students who have chosen to vote here in, in Winter Park, and many of them can do that. I mean, right. they, they really can choose where they want to vote. Uh, they need to make sure they do it in the right way, but uh, just make sure your registrations follow you. But uh, what we've seen is, at the, as a student body, a lot more engagement. And honestly, we've also seen the 18-year-old crowds at, in some of the high schools right. organizing and, right. and learning. And I'm just going to say, you know, local politics does make a bigger difference to your everyday life in most cases. It, it matters what, uh, you know, what the potholes look like, what police and fire services are like. Uh, what zoning codes look like, so the things, what traffic looks like, yeah, you know. So there's a lot more that affects your daily life that's executed in in the local political world. Um, but uh, we really do look forward to that engagement. And I will say that because it's local and we're a small community, 
um, you know, the individuals at the city and the elected officials are pretty accessible. Yeah, no question. <laughs> Whether it's at a public comment, at a meeting, or just communication. Yep, great point. One of the points I wanted to make was that voting in Winter Park in person is incredibly easy, but it also may be different from the last time that you voted. We have five precincts in Winter Park for city elections, and they are at the Winter Park Christian Church on Lakemont Avenue, St. Andrew's Methodist Church on St. Andrew's Boulevard, Winter Park Presbyterian Church on Lakemont, First Baptist Church down by the Nine Hole Golf Course and Azalea Lane Recreation Center. So I know that shouldn't be more than a five-minute drive for anyone in those precincts. If you're going to vote live on the day, I kind of like it because it's exciting and fun, and I feel like I'm participating. But those are places you need to be aware of. And, again, if you go to the Chamber website, you'll be directed to understanding exactly where your polling place is. We want you to take the five minutes it's going to take to be a fully engaged citizen in Winter Park's future. So uh, either way you decide to vote, it should be easy and under five minutes of your time. And we're looking to make that as easy as possible. If you're a college student that's not at Rollins College listening to this, you need to request your absentee ballot because even though you might be living somewhere else to do school, Winter Park is your hometown community and you want to be invested in how it gets shaped in terms of the future. So we're really looking at uh, engaging a younger voter in this election and excited to do that. We hope you'll help us spread the word. Uh, For us, we'll have this podcast on the chamber social feeds and the chamber website with links to how to get your ballot so we're hoping to spoon feed that and make it as easy as possible that's fantastic and so at least really uh specific to winter park we have two city commission uh seats that are are um are, will, will be on the ballot and we have six charter amendments that's correct is that that's correct, correct. so and the, so yeah, there's please. a lot to, lot to look at and uh and think about as you're looking at the future of the city and um you know, there'll be a lot of discussion, certainly in the in the campaigns, about the pros and cons. So, um, you know, we we make it easy for no people question. to really get a handle on what what their choices are. Or I think we do, and and yeah. we intend to. Well, that's good. Um, maybe next month we'll be able to share a little bit more. Maybe talk a little bit about some of the initiatives, just to get some perspective um, on on both both uh, both sides of those important six issues. I know the candidates' forums are already starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we'll have one on campus. I know the chamber. I know there's plenty of other entities to do. So, in, in, as you mentioned, Mayor, at the top, like the candidates are accessible, uh, and they're there for for people to chat with and learn from and listen to, and and then form their opinion and and hopefully vote. So what else? Uh, Danae, anything else we should know about as we want to share and and encourage voting for this upcoming election? I just want to reiterate that the deadline to register to vote in the upcoming election, if if you are not currently a registered Florida voter, is February 7th. So you need to be, have your registration turned in or postmarked by then in order to be eligible to vote in the March 8th election. And again, for any election-related information, dates, deadlines, requirements, you can always go to ocfelections.gov, and we have all our contact information there as well. And we're here to help make it easy for people to vote and know what they need to do to vote. 
And I have to say a little bit of a brag on Bill Cowles, who's been in that office for over 30 years. There's some some counties that in Florida Mm. don't have their act together, but Orange County is never one of them. We have always had elections with integrity and uh, a very high attention to detail. And I'm super proud that we've been able to partner with uh, Supervisor Cowell's office, and they are always so easy to work with. Any questions you have, uh, they'll handle them quickly. And we are so lucky to have uh, uh, such a person of integrity leading that office for us here in Orange County. Could agree more. Um, the best of the best in the business, and truly, you know, as I see it, sort of a, a public servant. Uh, just does it for Absolutely. the right reasons, and uh, proud to call him a friend, and uh, and lucky to have him in our in our region. So, uh, give him our best. I and sure will. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today, Danae. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the uh, uh, activities that that our community is doing in, in this regard. Both uh, uh, Betsy and the mayor spent yesterday in Tallahassee on a on a <laughs> chamber initiative that, uh, that that took some community leaders up to Tallahassee. So, how was Tallahassee? It was fantastic. It was great to be back in person because, as you know, last year's session, uh, they were not receiving any kind of advocacy groups in person last year. That was all done over Zoom. And we we did continue our efforts over Zoom. Uh, as you may know, several years ago, we began an initiative called Art is Good Business, and that was to lend the Chamber's voice uh, to the very real problem of a reduction in arts grants matching funds. Back in 2015, there was an appropriation of $63 million in the legislature for matching arts grant funds. And these are for highly vetted uh, arts grants that go to rigorous and robust organizations that are succeeding in their mission to deliver high quality cultural and heritage experiences. And, uh, you know, these are not make or break grants. These are going to organizations that are looking to flex and grow and deliver even more services than they already are. And at that time, we were enjoying the number four spot in the, na- in the nation for funding that type of work. As a result of a number of factors, the legislature drew that down from $63 million down to $2.4 million for the state. I'm pretty sure we spend more than that on staples in the state of Florida. And so that was really a a low point for us. In fact, it was a measurable nader. And we were 48th out of 50 states for matching art grants funding at the end of that session. So that was a pretty humiliating place for us to sit. And at that point, the chamber took a hard look at what Winter Park really cares about and what makes us differentiated to a guest, what makes us attractive to somebody who might want to headquarter their business here. And we know that it's that city of culture and heritage that is that key differentiator for us. And so we put together a group of business leaders to go up and say, hey, this matters to us because we know that there's a documented $9 return on investment for every $1 invested in these grants. So to frame that, just in Winter Park this year, we have eight grant uh, or eight grant targeted organizations in Winter Park that would be receiving a total of $500,000 if fully funded that would ripple through our own tiny economy producing over $5 million of impact. So when we look at that on a grand scale, it makes a huge difference to the state of Florida. It makes Florida competitive in the eyes of a guest. And it makes us 
uh, able to deliver more to residents to feel proud of. So we have been successful in this initiative. Um, we've been part of the many voices that have come together to really draw a line in the sand and say, this is not acceptable. Please help us um, restore this funding to its previous levels. Now, we're not back at $63 million, but we're making steady progress. Last year, the funding went up to $26 million, which is a great trend off of the 2.4 several years ago. I'm encouraged to hear that the number that's kind of circulating around is $30 million for this year, which means we're continuing to climb. Obviously, we'd love to see things fully restored to the funding levels, and there's some magic money that's circulating around Tallahassee this year, so I sort of hope that we'll be able to seize that opportunity and meet that moment. What was significant about our group is that we came in a week before the arts advocates that will be there next week to focus on the benefits of the arts for cognitive development in children and you know the lots of, of manifold reasons why supporting art is a good idea but we were there um to focus on the business benefits of that 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 the waves that ripple through our economy with the sales that wrap around arts experiences of restaurants transportation etc and then Further, the sales tax revenues and tourist development tax revenues attached to that that get recirculated back into our municipal and state government coffers are real catalysts for economic um, activity within our region and our state. So this year was a key year for us because we had our mayor joining us. And it was great to show a broad base of support for this from business leaders and government leaders. We also had our assistant city manager there. And people really stood up and took notice of the fact that we had civic leaders caring about this from the realms that you might not always think of. And of course, we were sponsored in this initiative by Rollins College. So it was a wonderful <laughs> collaboration. I was very proud to be attached to it. And I want to thank the mayor because we haven't had that level of support in the past. And I really do think it made a difference. Yeah, I don't think that should be under uh, appreciated or recognized, Mayor, if they, you took a whole day out of your schedule to do it. So um, I, we appreciate it, uh, at least on behalf of the arts at Rollins, but I know for the community, no, you know, being in that sort of uh, a, a game of Tallahassee, to have our head of state there right. is a big deal. So thanks. Well, thank you. And, and I will tell you, it was a real pleasure to be up there. I mean, I think to a person, those folks that really represent our region and that will be a decision maker, they had a very good listening ear. They really were hearing the message that our representatives and, and Betsy on behalf of the chamber were presenting. And, and it resonated. You know, $9 of economic benefit for every dollar of investment. It, it resonates with folks. Uh, but I will also tell you for, uh, you know, it was great for me to be able to connect the dots to say that the reason the arts are so important here in Winter Park is those roots go deep. And they go deep because Rollins College was the first college of any type in the state of Florida. And their commitment to the arts and to really just a great education was fantastic. We were able to share that we've got a brand new statue right, <laughs> right on campus right. of Mr. Rogers by a world-renowned sculptor, yes. and uh, which I, I think also resonated with a number of a number of our representatives who remember Mr. Rogers as part of their childhood and their kids' childhood. So, and just to frame this from the state numbers, I know I talked about our local numbers. 
but actually you know winter park doesn't exist in a vacuum we all want to see florida rise and so you know this as we've said art is good business so if we actually funded this all these arts organizations are themselves small businesses and we've seen what happens when small business doesn't thrive we saw that in 2020 but we can fully fund this it would mean 59,000 businesses, 227,000 jobs, and $4.7 billion of impact on Florida's economy, mm. to say nothing of the qualitative measures that we could talk about in terms of uh, supporting the development of children and the differentiation of our guests' experience here in Florida. Florida has a lot to be proud of, a lot to show off, certainly Winter Park I think is a crown jewel and it makes sense for us to continue to focus on the business benefits of our tremendous arts and cultural offering here in the city. Yeah. I know you don't go up to, to Tallahassee really on a singular issue, even though arts was, it was the central focus mayor. What other, you know, what are the two or three other really most important things that, that Tallahassee is doing or considering that will impact us here in winter park? You know, I, I think there's a lot of things that happen in, in Tallahassee that affect us. Um, you know, what I will say is our, lo our local representatives are really intent on making sure that decisions are made at the lowest level possible. And what that, it's a, a better way to say, talk about home rule. Right. Uh, it's something that, you know, every year we, we make sure that we're lobbying hard to make sure that we can continue to make decisions at a local level. Um, you know, and other things, you know, are really about resource allocations. You know, they make decisions about DOT funding, which finds its way to, you know, what happens to our, our major roads. Uh, so we keep, we keep an eye on it. We pay attention to that. Uh, we're paying a lot of attention to the infrastructure bill and how it's going to, you know, sort of trickle from the federal government through a lot of times the state government. Um, I just think it was great to be up there to be soon. This is a big, important issue to our economy. Um, but it's also good to be present and form the relationships. And I have to applaud the chamber and their commitment to mm -hmm. advocacy. Yeah and what it means to uh, to really the city's future. I think it's great. I think very few chambers would go up with arts as their main focus. So uh, I, I do think that's a, that's a very uh, smart and important initiative that you've been leading, Betsy. So thanks. Uh, anything else you guys want to add about that? There, there's one topic I want to throw out, at least in the Tallahassee realm, that you know, very, very importantly affects Rollins, uh, Winter Park, and Florida residents. And that's what we call, uh, what's called an EASE grant. Um, EASE is Economic Access to Student Education. It's a, it's a 43-year-old uh, statute that basically gives Florida residents the opportunity to attend one of the 30-some uh, private nonprofit colleges uh, and have an access grant of about anywhere from $2,500 to $3,000 a year. Not significant, but also not insignificant. There's over 46,000 uh, students statewide who, who take advantage of this and, and have it as, a, as an access grant. It's really just a great way to keep Florida residents, giving them a choice who uh, maybe don't want to go to a larger state school 
and want to learn uh, at one of the private nonprofit institutions. So unfortunately, this grant is, uh, at least in the last couple of years, has been under uh, un- under attack, if you will, by a handful of representatives. They want to either take the funding away, they want to create metrics, which are very arbitrary and very uh, random because there's 30-some schools uh, in, in uh, what's called ICUF, Independent Colleges and Universities of Florida, and each are very different. So to create metrics for Institution A, uh, with a student population of you know of X is very different than institution B with a with a demographic of Y. So uh, we're fighting hard to uh, not touch and uh, and risk those funds so students still have the choice and to have it sort of guaranteed for for four years. So uh, ease E A S E is something I would ask everyone to put on their radar and to help fight and uh, and maintain sustain that uh, that funding bucket for uh, for Florida students. I think that's critically important because I'm a parent of a child that just went off to university this year and very aware of the capacity issues at our flagship universities in the state of Florida uh, that are really dismaying. Very high quality students are being turned away in droves from FSU, Florida, USF, UCF, because there just isn't capacity. So I think this is one of the key ways that the state of Florida can deal with capacity issues. Uh, I think it's great that we've got high-performing institutions, but we also have an enormous population of students here. I think the other thing to remember is that we feel it when Rollins Camp students are not Mm -hmm. on campus, and we feel it economically, and this is a robust way for us to stimulate not only our economy, but the activity zone that is our central business district. So supporting and making sure that Rollins students can put a grant like this together in a package of other financial aid opportunities to put the last piece of the puzzle in there is critically important and obviously something that we're focused on as well. Yeah, well, thank you. We've covered a lot today. Uh, anything else any, either of you want to close with or, or share? Um, uh, upcoming events from the chamber, anything? Upcoming events from the chamber are a little bit disrupted right now <laughs> as we're going through the Omicron surge. Our uh, Cheers to You event has been moved now to March out of respect for the conditions that we're in right now. But I am pleased that it looks like, and we are tracking all of the hospital modeling data. We have seven data site sources that we're using to make informed and data-driven decisions about whether or not we bring people together live and in person. And so we are feeling confident about our state of the city date at the end of the month in February. We'll be hearing the uh, annual address from the mayor and celebrating our top performing uh, city employees. And we are tracking that, but we feel very confident with the surge curve coming prior to that date that we are going to be able to maintain a safe way to convene people for that. Uh, One of the things that we did last year, we want to thank people who took the time to answer our survey. We asked people, how did the Chamber of Commerce do last year? And one of the key metrics in that survey was, do you think that we convened people safely and responsibly? And over 93% of our respondents said yes. So that is a passion of ours, and State of the City is where we've got our eye. Uh, but we are continuing to monitor that situation, and we feel really confident in our ability to make good decisions about uh, people's safety in, in convocation. Excellent. Well, keep an eye on winterpark.org for any and all of that uh, chamber activity. Mayor, anything you want to close with? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that uh, a year ago, well, in March 30th of 2021, our commission sat down and said, these are our priorities to work on for the next year. 
And a lot of those things have been accomplished, uh, but we're going to get together and have another work session on those similar topics the first week of March. Uh, so pay attention and, and listen to what we have, to, where we're going, and, and sort of make sure we know what your priorities are. But I will mention one thing that we asked our staff to do back in March, and that was to be keep their eyes open for opportunities to acquire um, land on a win-win basis. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping that we'll be able to focus a little more on that and uh, whether it has to do with creating park space for annexations, whether it has to do with protecting neighborhoods, uh, whether it has to do with, uh, you know, creating green space. Uh, I think you'll see more of those step to the front as a priority, and uh, hopefully we'll see a few opportunities come up where the city can make win-win acquisitions of, of, you know, of land that uh, will be good for the community. That's fantastic. Well, uh, cityofwinterpark.org for all city happenings and events and meetings and um, uh, updates as well. Um, I have one final word, and right it ahead. is vote. Vote. <laughs> Very good. Ditto. Um, vote. Again, thanks to Danae. Keep an eye on ocfelections.gov. And uh, what a great uh, chat, a great discussion, another great talk of the town. So thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Betsy. And thank you, uh, Danae. So we will uh, be back February 16th for our next show. Stay tuned uh, for um, more updates on our guests and our topics and uh, our podcast. Keep an eye on that for uh, Talk of the Town Winter Park. You can search that and, uh, and download and share the podcast. So with that, we wish you a great day in Winter Park. Thanks.